all of the sheep, the 99 and the one as he portrays in the story. And so Jesus makes himself available for those who are in need. Jesus is not looking for fame and influence to be gained, but he looks to serve those who need to be served and cared for. So Jesus needs to teach the majority a lesson and call the salvation and mission and purpose of Christ and Christianity with the following parables. We will first unpack this parable looking at Luke 15, 4 through 6 to better know this parable of the lost sheep, but look and see all who are lost. So as we go through this text, who is lost and why are they lost? Verses 4 through 6. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home or his shoulders when he arrives. For he will call call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. First, I highlight here how the man counts all the sheep. Jesus can be equated to the man, the good shepherd, who is looking over all the sheep and is concerned about all's well-being. But also here point out that there's a man amongst the sheep, which also gives a good, discrimin- a good determination and distinction of a man who are distinct of God from an animal. And so Jesus sees the whole picture. The man sees the whole picture. And so he looks to include all to become welcome in a community and a fellowship and welcome that he's not discriminated because of your background, because of your ethnicity or the notoriety of your sins, but also be welcome to fellowship and community. That's why they were upset because Jesus even ate with them. And so when you eat someone, it's a sign of acceptance and approval in the near ancient Eastern culture and community. And so for Jesus to eat with them was a sign that he accepts them and showing that he's welcoming them, even though their background is checkered. I'm so glad that God is able to welcome us with checkered backgrounds, or else none of us will get into the kingdom of God, because we all got a bad history. We all got some problems. We all got some skeletons in our closet that we don't want anything to get to the light of day, but thank God that he is as washed as white as snow. He's forgiven us of our sins so we can come repent and embrace his forgiveness and the joy of reconciliation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so when you look at the 99 representing the majority who feel safe, who feel secure, who feel privileged, who feel welcome, that they're not concerned about those who are not in their ranks. And so there is easy for them to move on and not be concerned for the one that is lost. And sometimes happens in our culture, right? Once you become rich, once you become affluent, once you become wealthy, once you have made it, you might forget about where you came from. You might forget about how you got to where you are and how people helped you to get there. And now that you've made it, you want to look down and not pull other people up and help them to be successful. It's a beautiful thing that you see this in, in history, that those who are poor give more than the rich. Why is that? Because they know what it means to be without. It's amazing how those who don't have much give much. But those who have a lot hold on to what they have and give very little. Hence how we talk about that story come Christmas time, right? Ebenezer Scrooge, right? He is rich, but he gives very little. And, and so the moral of the story is right to teach them how you need to care for those who are around you, who have been helping you to get this money. You need to be more concerned about them. And here's the situation that we need to teach in our community, that we should stop looking down on those who have not 
And so I'm looking, how can I help them to have? Instead of talking bad about them, judging them and, and complaining about them, but am I being a part of the solution or am I part of the problem? Am I making a difference? How can I donate? How can I give them my time and my resources to be a blessing for those who are hurting, blessing for those who are feeling maligned, who are feeling oppressed, who are feeling that they have been hurt or harmed in this system? A sense of hierarchy and numbers and influence and power and wealth make people feel entitled to what they have and what they have. And oftentimes they think they work for what they have, not realize that it's already been given to them just because of who they are. But yet we talk about other people not having as, work, as much work ethic or they don't want it hard enough because they don't have success. But it's kind of hard to have success in a rich game. The man in the parable shows us how we ought to triage in our community. Jesus surveys the whole situation, sees that all the sheep and the needs, and he triages the social situation. What's the triage definition? I'm glad you asked that question this morning. The sorting and the allocating of treatment to patients and especially battle and disaster victims according to a system of priorities designed to maximize the number of survivors. Another definition is the sorting of patients as an emergency room according to the urgency of their need for care. Another way to look at it is that it's a way to process and sort or determine the priority of what needs to be done first. And so when we look in our society, we need to find out, we can look and talk to people, find out what is their priority. Are they more concerned about wealth and gain? Or are they concerned about poverty and the wealth gap and food insecurity and those who are in need? And, and we can see the situation that I, I cannot say I care for all when I'm, I'm, when I'm caring for 99, but I'm leaving one out. Something's not lining up. This is what Jesus is showing is that you cannot be a leader of all if you're forgetting those who need you most. And so one has, was the priority over the 99. It says the man left the 99 to go after the one. Why, why would he leave the 99? Well, the 99 were well taken care of. They were safe. They were sound. So they were okay. So he could leave them for a moment to go after the one who needed him most. If one sheep is lost, he will leave the rest to seek the one. If one sheep is lost, we need to realize why is this sheep lost? What happened for this sheep to fall away? And oftentimes how people fall away is when someone just stops caring. We talked about last Sunday, right, moving from apathy to empathy. When we have lack of care, we are in, we're not caring or considering other people, it's easy to forgive them. Out of sight, out of mind. Using ignorance as power to say, well, I didn't know what they were going through is not an excuse to, to, for you not to know that there's pain and suffering in our community. If we do not care for the least of these, how can we say we are showing the love of Christ? How can I say I love my brother and sister, but yet I don't care what you're going through because it doesn't impact me? That's the 99 mentality of thinking, well, we're okay, so we don't need to worry about those who are not okay. That's why John 3.18 tells us, dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show that we love each other in truth and in our actions. In our population, you can see how the majority views are to be expected without question that you are to accept them and live by them. That's why we sometimes hear such, such hurtful sentiments when you tell people that you should speak English because you come into our country. 
You tell some people that this is America, learn to speak English, but do you understand the United States of America does not have a national language? So how can you tell somebody what they should do when we don't have a national language? We live in a time frame that we, we are, we've kind of broken out, but we're still suffering from this caste system of Jim Crow that if you are black, you are not accepted, but if you were white, you were. And we're still dealing with the systematic of this now. That how can you say you love me, but you judge me according to my skin, not the content of my character? That's why it's, it's so polarizing right now when it's hard for some people to say black lives matter. Because it will open up another discussion that maybe they're not ready to have. In our population, you can see how the majority views are to be ex- accepted without question, but the minority are marginalized and poorly represented. There are, there are only 10 non-white senators represented in Congress. 127 minority ethnicity in 116 Congress. And we're talking about we're moving towards a position, but yet this is just 2019 that we have made this progress, which means that there's some time that we need to do better and get better. Black Lives Matter movement is, is, is basically relating to the one sheep, the minority, the one that seems to be forgotten, the one that seems to be let go, the one that seems to say, you know what, we're not concerned about that one because the 99 are okay. When the opposition of Black Lives Matter say all lives matter, they are negating that this one life matters the same. How can you care for 100, yet you leave one to be fend for themselves? There are... The one are often ignored, the one are often forgotten, the one are often the minority that do not look like everybody else. Sometimes, as we use the terminology, right, the black sheep of the family, right, which means this is the bad one. This is not the good one. It's a, it's a funny thing, right, how black is associated with negativity. And so the black sheep of the family, black lives matter, is not taken with affinity. It's not taken with appreciation by majority. But many are wanting to make it a hateful terminology when realize it's been hate that's been put on them. So we need to understand how can we break these barriers? How can we break these barriers uh, so much? And can we have more empathy and more openness, concern, and love and care to say, all, if all lives matter, then how can I treat you with respect? How can I treat you with love and dignity? How can I make you feel comfortable that you are welcome to this table, that your voice matters, that you're being heard, your needs are being heard? I am concerned about what's happening in your community, in your zip code in your ward, in your area. This is the kind of community of love that Christ has shown us, that we cannot get caught up with this 99 mentality and we forget the one. If one is suffering, we all are suffering. We're all part of this community. Christ wants unity. He wants us all to come together. He wants all of us to become one. But the Pharisees and the teachers have these barriers of judgment and discrimination and self-righteousness. That they look down upon those who don't meet their standards, who don't agree with all their views. We need to understand that we're always not always going to agree on a lot of things. But one thing we should agree that we're all made in the image of God. And we all deserve love, kindness, forgiveness, and gentleness. That Jesus calls us to love one another. He even calls us to love our enemies and pray for them that persecute us. He calls us to turn the other cheek. He calls us to do unto others as we have them do unto us. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our might, and all our strength, and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. When we imply these principles, then we understand that if one is hurting, then that's me hurting. How can I go help that one that is
Jesus sees the need to help those in need. And we see the need to help those in need. Let us not judge them. Let us not talk down upon them. But let us address them and help them get up. Let us encourage them and push them to be, and, and give them access to what we have access to. Let us share what we have, what we, the wealth we may have, the resources we may have, and be a blessing to people and be encouragement to them. Imagine if we could be more of a community that shares and tries to hold on to what is ours and lead people to fend for themselves. That's why the man went out, because the other ship, the, that one was left to fend for themselves. They had no one to protect them. They had no one to be their voice. They had no one to care for them. But so therefore the man realized that I'm missing one. If I'm missing one, I need to go after that one and bring them back into the fold and to the family. And so look what the, the text tells us. So if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. See, there's joy in recovering those who are lost. There's joy in reclaiming those who have been kicked out. There's joy in, in fixing what has been wrong. And that's why Jesus has come. He didn't come to judge. Hallelujah. But he came to say, there's joy in this restoration. There's joy in reclamation. So help people, not blame them. We need to encourage them and bring them in. Jesus has pointed this out in Luke 4, chapter, verse 18, prior to this 15 chapter we're dealing with, right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives and be released, that the, that the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. He's quoting Isaiah 61, saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And so Christ has come to redeem and celebrate and bring forth all to a sense of commonality and success. Jesus, Jesus desired for us to be one, to be united, the true love, the true fellowship. It's highlighted how he closes out this parable, verses 5 through 7. It says, And when he has found that he was walking here at home on his shoulders, when he arrives, he would call together his friends. And made the same. Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Oh, glory be to God. This is why the man will carry this, the one and bring it back to the 99 to make the family complete, to celebrate the unity they have in the community. Verse 6 and 7 says, When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors and rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God. Than, than over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So just as God wants us to rejoice on earth, he's rejoicing in heaven. And so we need to be careful that we don't forget the Lord, that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, that we don't just put people aside because we disagree with them, and we don't like them or we don't like where they're coming from. But yet we need to address ourselves and start realizing that Am I willing to go out for the one? The one that, can I be the voice for the voices? Can I stand up for those who have no one else to stand up for them? Can I represent those who are truly in my community, who elected me to this office, who I sit and serve? And, and so with good conscience, we need to be concerned. Am I loving my neighbor as I love myself? 
Let me not put my priorities ahead of somebody, but let me realize that Christ, what do you call us to do? You call us, Lord, to love one another, care for one another. So what are we willing to do? So let's love for the one and the 99. Let's not choose one side or the other. Let's look together and say, how can we come together? And so we need to figure out how to say, which is a priority right now? Who needs to be served? Who needs to be heard in this community? Do I see the need? And, and just think about it, right? If you came into the emergency room and you got a paper cut and you demand for them to see you, but yet someone else is suffering from a heart attack, you, you might be able to understand, like, oh, okay, they might want to see this person first. What's the power? We need to realize that there's some people who are hurting more than others. Are we listening to them? Are we caring for them? Or are we only paying to the majority? So let's be mindful that God desires for us to rejoice with one another. Let us weep with one another. Let us celebrate with one another. There's more joy over that one than the many. How could we have this more joy? Let's go look for the one. Let's go look for the one and bring them in. And once we find them, let's go out to the And keep on each one, each one. And we can continue to rejoice here as a rejoicing in heaven. There's more joy when we repent and we return to God. We too should look to rejoice in resurrection and not push for separation. But let us preach reconciliation, gospel. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you look after the one. We thank you, Lord, that you see the nine. We thank you, Lord, that you see us all to be yours. So help us, Lord, to see the same way. That when one is hurt, may we see their pain. And may we come together in unity and love one another. Father, help us, Lord, to repent and return back to you. Father, many of us have strayed, have gone away, got lost some way, some fashion. But we thank you, Lord, that you can see us. And we thank you, Lord, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. So we surrender to you right now, Lord. Have down on you. Jesus, that we Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you enjoyed this message, please continue to share and post and like uh, on Facebook and our website and on YouTube. And look forward to worship with you again on Bible study. Uh, and join us in Zoom and live on Facebook. And thank you for joining us again for communion. If you join in late, you can restart the message again and join us in time of worship uh, through the ministry of Jeff Richard and we go pray together and continue together. Thank you. God bless you until we meet again. Jesus loves you and so